Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. A really fun, interesting show with Olympic Trials qualifier Erica Waits, who is just doing amazing things and who I couldn't wait to talk about not only her journey with the trials because she's going on her third cycle now of trying to get there. She got there on the second one, trying to get there on this third cycle. Uh, but as an Orlando resident, just want to know more about like the, the race course that's out now and also the challenges she's faced in order to get there, right? The, the kind of the consistency you need to be in the mix for three consecutive OTQ cycles is amazing. And I couldn't wait to hear all about it. Before we get into it, shout outs to our sponsors today. We got vacation races. If you want to do an exciting adventure race, whether it's, I mean, I shouldn't say an adventure race, but a place in a really unique setting, whether it's domestic or international, half marathon, up to ultra, vacation races is the spot. That is the place to do it. There's different links in the show notes about the kind of different, um, I guess, say, different savings you can get depending on the race you do and where it is. So go check those out today. You will not be disappointed. Also, big shout out to Lagoon Sleep, the Lagoon 888 Challenge is happening in four days. Go register today. It's really exciting. It's eight days of running eight miles and getting eight hours of sleep or being in bed for eight hours. Um, you, know, you never know if you're wake up in the middle of the night or whatever, but 888 starting on August 8th. Obviously, that is also 88. So Best way to, I mean, the only way to register for that is going to lagoonsleep.com forward slash 8x8x8. That's 888. And you can go register today. And if you do that and you sign up for the challenge, you're also going to save a ton of money on Lagoon Pillows. So I'm really excited for this. I can't wait. I've never done eight days in a row of at least eight miles, and I'm so pumped for this. So I actually ran by my coach, and he's like, yeah, let's do it, baby. And I'm I'm excited. I'm a little nervous. I've never done uh, that kind of consistency at that mileage before, but I think the extra sleep is definitely going to help. Now, let's get into the podcast with Erica Waits. All right, Erica, welcome to the show. It, it's been a long time coming. We've been sending messages back and forth for a while now. I'm so excited that you are here on the show. I know, Matt. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I've been wanting to be on your show for a long time. I remember you messaged me back in the day, and then I think I missed your message, and then I messaged you back, and then the Instagram DMing world gets tough, especially if you don't follow somebody because they can just get lost, and then thirty days it just disappears. But then, like, you can actually reference it later. You're like, how did I miss this? It's like Seriously? the amount of the amount of Instagram DMs that have like I've been lost in the ether either because I sent them or someone else sent them. Like, it's 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 a it's a big graveyard in my world it's like the, the instagram dm graveyard <laughs> that's crazy well here we are now uh i can't wait to ramble hopefully i don't ramble too much well let's do it i'm really excited so um before we get into a bunch of topics that we wanted to cover today how about you just give people like your like you know, the short athletic bio for you like as like as a youngster how you got into sports and how you eventually um really dove into the endurance side of things okay yeah so um so I guess we can start with a quick bio and I've been trying to compile a bio together and I think I figured something out that's not too long. Um, but basically I'm a running coach and I'm a personal trainer and I coach for team exclusive endurance, which is my own run coaching business, um, that I started in about 2018. Um, before that I was coaching high schoolers. Um, and I've been a runner my whole life. Um, I've been running since I was technically one year old at kitty races, if that really counts. Um, so my parents were, they were runners. They met at the running club. Um, my dad was a, he was a good runner. Like when I was younger, I thought he was like the best runner ever. Um, and I never knew him as a runner because he unfortunately got injured before I was born. Um, so, but he ran like a 232 marathon twice and he ran like 14 marathons. Wow. He won the Smoky Mountain Marathon in 1982. And then, um, as I got older, I learned that he was good, but he wasn't like as good as I thought he was because technically he was like around the elite women at the time, which is still really good for a guy. Um, and he would always talk about like Olympic trials and stuff. And like, I thought I had that like in my head, like that's a cool idea. Um, but yeah, he's, he's amazing. So he basically, him and my mom met at the running club back in the day. Um, they ended up, uh, you know, getting married, having me, um, bringing me to kids races. My mom would jog, like jog him easy, like for leisure. And, um, yeah, and I, I loved it. I found like ribbons in my drawer from when I was younger and from like 1988, 1989. And um, that was really cool. That is awesome. So did you kind of fall 
like into their footsteps from a running perspective, like pretty early on, or were they like kind of pushing you along the lines? And right now, I'm reason I'm asking is like I want my kids to. I'm like trying to like gently push my kids in this direction. I'm I'm not doing a great job. I can just say that right from the start. It's hard. I think they did it the right way because they didn't push me into it. They just kind of introduced me to it. And like, I got so excited when I was younger to go to these races. And like, even at a young age, like maybe three, like I remember my first mile race when I was four. And I remember being so nervous before every race, but it was like kind of more like a run, jog, walk type thing. I don't know. That age, man, that's, 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 that's impressive that you're like, Hey, I'm going after this. This is great. I know. I was like, I should be better now, but. But no, I think I did it the right way. Like, um, I just, you know, they introduced me to it. And then when we went on like family vacations and stuff, they were like, it's always open exercise time. Like that was just a part of our family, like whether we're at home or on vacation. So like we could really do whatever we wanted. Like I could run, I could rollerblade, I could bike. Um, and I enjoyed that. And like a lot of times I choose to run or like when I was really young, they would like take the strollers out. And um, my brother and I would be in the stroller. I would jump out of the stroller and I would just like run a little bit and then jump back in. Um, so like I always look forward to it. And like I remember waking up when it was dark, like when I was really, really young, like seven and earlier. And I remember like waking up, it was pitch black outside. And I'm like, we're going to go to a race. I'm so excited. And I get so nervous. And I, <laughs> it was really funny. But I like loved that feeling. And um, yeah, so like I had to wait till middle school to really run track um, because I think now they have so many youth groups back when I was younger. Um, I grew up in Florida from like six months to seven years old and they didn't really have like, I mean, they had races for run clubs that I would do sporadically, but I had to actually wait till like seventh grade to do like middle school track. And um, I just remember like getting so excited and ready for it. I played soccer before. So that was like good foundation. Um, And then, um, yeah, I noticed that I could, I could beat a lot of people like in elementary school in like the mile run. And, uh, you know, those presidential fitness tests they had. Of course. Of course. I love yeah, those things. Those. So the mile run was the only thing I could pass. <laughs> <laughs> it was really sad because usually people, you know, good runners, they crush everything. But no, I couldn't do anything except for the mile run. So I was like, if I find something like this that I can actually be good at, like I better roll with it and like keep it going. <laughs> so you were pretty consistent then. Like, so you... Did you ever rebel against the running side of things, especially with like your parents being involved and, you know, teenagers like they're always they're, that streak can come out, even if it's like rebelling against like the most innocuous thing. Just just like just to do it. Right. There's that feeling of like, all right, I can't just say yes to everything. I have to rebel against something that did it ever fall your way from a running perspective. I was very like rebellious, I guess, at, at one point, like when I was maybe 14, 15. Um, but running was never something I'd rebel against. Like I, I felt like it was like my freedom like um, to get out and like see things and see places. And it was like, kind of like my getaway. Um, Cause my parents were pretty strict when I was young and, um, but my dad couldn't run. So he like kind of like was really excited about the idea of me running. And that's like where him and I bonded, I feel like the most. So um, yeah, like when I run a good race, I'm like, first thing I do is call him like, hey, what I did. Cause I was so inspired by what he did. And then I think part of me was like, um, I wish I could like fulfill some of the some of the things he wished he could have done um but maybe i could do those things and that was like kind of inspiration to me too and then i noticed how like he wasn't that great in high school but he was good and then he got better in college but he got way better after college and um i feel like in high school middle school high school college i was never as good as i wanted to be Um, but i always had like different coaches and like new coach every year um and i knew i had potential like i did see myself get better like in high school, then college, and way better after college. So I knew, like, I took him as like inspiration. Like, I can do this too. So, did you run in college, like, like for like for a team, or were you running just on on the side for yourself? Yeah, I was actually recruited walk on to UCF's uh, D one team, and so the coach, um, her name's Marsha Manzer Wentworth. Maybe she'll be listening to this. She went to my high school in New Jersey because I grew up in New Jersey from like seven to eighteen. And All right, what high school? It was Marlboro High School. Okay. Do you know that school? I I've been there, so yeah. Are you serious? Whoa. Well, I used to work. I used to work in admissions for a college, so I was like New York and New Jersey were my territory. So I've been to all the high schools. So yeah. Oh my gosh, that's crazy! Yeah. So she actually went to my high school, like maybe thirty. I don't even know how many years before thirty or something years before. So she had the same cross country coach that I had, but she had him like 
when he started, like she started the girls team at Marlborough High School, if I'm not mistaken. She was running on the guys team and then like started the girls team. And then when I had him, it was actually right the year that he retired was my senior year. Um, and so I didn't start cross country until junior year. And then in junior year, I was running, you know, I was pretty decent. I should have started earlier because I was more of a distance runner. But anyway, she uh, came to my high school and she was talking about like, all the kids that are on UCF team, like all their girls and like what their times are. And I was thinking like, this is way faster than me. Like, I don't think I can compete with them. Um, but then we went and visited UCF like during winter break. And we talked to her for like four hours in the office. And she wanted to recruit me as a walk-on because she saw potential and she saw I had drive. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever because coming from New Jersey and looking at UCF and their campus, like it was the best school I had ever seen. Like so modern, so nice. And I'm like, I don't want to choose it a school just because of the team, but if I could be a recruited walk-on and then, you know, I could have maybe got like, I did have some like minor scholarship offers for like small D1 or like D2 schools. I wasn't that good in high school. But even then, like, there's just not a lot of scholarships in this sport. Some people don't understand, like, e- like basically no sports are fully funded scholarship wise. Like they, people don't realize that. They're like, oh, you're a visual athlete. You got a full scholarship. It's like, no, even the best person on our team doesn't have a full scholarship. They have like a two for four kind of thing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, like younger kids and their parents don't have a great concept of this experience. It's like even if you look at like a Division One baseball team, like the UCF baseball team, like yeah. there might be three people on that team that have a full four year scholarship. Yeah. Maybe three. And everyone else is like a three for four or a one for four or something like that. Seriously. Yeah. It's wild how hard it is. And like, I feel like with running, it might even not easier, but it might be easier than other sports because in other sports, you have to like video yourself, like in soccer, or, you know, you have to have the right scouts come to the right tournaments and stuff. Um, but for soccer you can, or for track, you can just like submit times for cross country. Yeah. yeah that, that is that is a nicer piece. No question about it. But cross country is hard because like, well, how hard is the course? Right. It's like track and cross country can be are almost like different animals. Yeah. That's another thing is like we ran. I don't know if you're familiar with Homedell Park. Like that's yeah, of course. Yeah, I my my uh, when I played basketball in college, my so I was the point guard. The shooting guard went to Home Dell High. Oh my gosh, yeah, that is, that was our home course. Technically, it was only about 10, 15 minutes from my high school, you know. And so um, that course they say is a fifty second adjustment from a flat course. So yeah, but like the coaches at UCF don't know that. Like it's like so hard. But luckily, Mark. Um, oh, but Mark, I guess I guess it's she did. But like you know. It's like it's funny. It's like that that adjustment might be true, but like no one knows like these random choruses and like the adjustment. It's not like altitude yeah. training. You're like, all right, this is the altitude calculator, and you yeah. figure it out. I know. Yeah, for real. Like that's why you can't always look at cross country times, you know. But for uh, for track, it's a little bit easier in that way. But um, yeah. So I guess I was really lucky because I improved a lot in college, but did take time. Um, like I didn't. Uh, what do you say? I didn't beat my high school PR in college until like my sophomore year indoor. Um, but when I beat it, it was by a lot. Um, and so I saw myself, you know, improve and get get better um, throughout the college years. And then, uh, yeah, by my senior year, we ended up winning conference, uh, Conference USA, like as a team. So that was really cool. And yeah, I think my, so my PR in college ended up like two minutes and it was like two minutes and 16 seconds or something like that uh, faster than my high school PR. So it just shows and that was that in the 5K? 5K, yeah. And if you keep at it, you can you can really prove yourself. For sure. and But for a lot of college runners, keeping at it basically ends on graduation day. So as you know, you've been able to see this over and over again. We talk about it on this show occasionally, especially with elite runners, is that, you know, I talked about like the, the, the graveyard of my Instagram DMs. Um there's also like a metaphorical metaphorical graveyard for college runners where like it just ends right so usually it's burnout related right of like okay like oh my god i've just been holding this sport so hard i've been doing three seasons a year you know cross country indoor outdoor and it's not like you can chill out in the summer it's like all right base building for for cross country here we come and this just constant grind also the short-term results of like hey we have a meet every weekend Let's go crush it. And it's like, oh, my God. So ultimately, you see so many college runners, like, they hit graduation day. They're like, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with this. Yeah. So tell me about why that isn't the case for you. Yeah. Well, I saw myself improve, like, you know, a lot from, like, sophomore to junior and then junior to senior year. And, um, you know, I always loved running. It was part of what I did. And I think I had good balance in college, too, because um, 
I feel like I could have been more focused now looking back at it. Um, and so maybe if I was more focused, I would have been more burnt out. But when I finished, I was thinking like, you know, I don't want to do any speed, any speed workouts. And I just want to like run for fun. That's what my idea was. Um, so I basically ran like 10 miles a day and I didn't have a coach. Uh, for like the was whole that year. more volume that you were, than you were traditionally doing like in the cross-country season or similar? Looking back, it might have been like at the high end or more because um, I don't think I ran more than 40 or 50 miles a week for in college. I think when I finally got to like 60 in the summer before junior year, that's when I dropped like the significant drop. Um, so I thought it was like a high mileage, higher mileage person at the time. Um, but yeah, after I graduated, I was just like 10 miles a day. Some days six, one day or two, 12. Other than that, I'm just going to go out. And, and it was like the dead of the heat. Um, and I ran my first marathon like a year after college. And like, I didn't know what to expect. I was like, let's just uh, let's just qualify for Boston, maybe. Is that a goal? I didn't know. And then uh, I ended up qualifying for Boston by like 37 minutes or something like that. So I was like, okay, I'll take this. There you go. So, so was qualifying for Boston was that like kind of the start of like the, the second half of like your running journey? Let's say like the, the high school and college years were like the first half was like qualifying for Boston. What instigated more of like a purposeful intention driven, you know, return to running or did that come later? All right, folks, get ready for the biggest virtual event ever in the world of sleep and fitness is the eight by eight by eight challenge presented by Lagoon beginning of course, on August 8th, right? 8-8. Got to do it on August 8th. Over the course of eight days, you'll run eight miles each day and be in bed for eight hours of sleep every night. So as your way of showing your commitment to fitness and to optimize your rest and your recovery. So just go to lagoonsleep.com slash eight by eight by eight. That's eight X eight X eight to get started. In addition to that, you also save 10% discount on all the stuff over at Lagoon Sleep. My Lagoon pillow is a godsend. It really is. I sleep so well on that thing, and it's just, it's easily the best pillow I've ever had. And it's obviously going to stand the test of time as a five year guarantee. I mean, my goodness, this thing is an absolute game changer. So complete the challenge and share your journey to win exclusive prizes from Lagoon. So prove what you got when it takes, when it comes to sleep and fitness, and also see what you're capable of. That's what I'm so excited about this. See what you're capable of doing in eight days with the kind of sleep that comes with that. So again, that's lagoonsleep.com, eight by eight by eight to get started today. Oh, um, oh gosh, I don't know. Because no. I say because you seem very goal-oriented, right? Because yeah, yeah. like you graduate college, you're like, all right, like you're running a lot. Like you're running more than you were before, but it seemed like yeah. you were having a, a laissez-faire approach to it. Like we're, yeah, just, yeah. we're just chilling, we're having fun, but you seem like a really yeah. goal-oriented person. So when did mm -hmm. that kind of kick back in into the running side? That was probably more like in 2014 when I got my first coach. So like, um, yeah, I just, I ran like my well, first marathon was like a 305 and, and then I realized like I could maybe be good at this. And then um, I ran like a two, what was it? 305 was the first one. Then the second one was uh, Boston, like 2014. And that was like, it was a crazy hot day, like 90 degrees. Um, in 2012, they were telling people to run at your own risk. So that was like, um, that was like three, my worst marathon, like 314. And the next year was first sub three. And I thought that was like, okay. But I didn't really have like set goals really. And then um, that was like a 256. And then I found this coach. Um, I wasn't looking for a coach and I actually didn't want a coach still. I don't, and I'm like, dang, why didn't I just have one? I would have been better faster. But I think everything happens for a reason. Um, but I met him and he was like, um, he asked me if I wanted to be on his relay team for like the Army 10 miler. And I was like, yes, because I've been like wanting to be on a team since college. And like, I guess after college, I was looking for a team for so long and I like couldn't find one. So like, um, so after the marathon, I started doing speed like two years after, a little bit of speed two years after college. And I started running with like random groups. Like I do a 5K workout with one group. I do a tempo run. It was all like up in the air. So in 2014, I met this guy and he's like, you're an Olympic trials qualifier. And I was like, oh, I like that. Like, that sounds good. And I'm like, um, and he's like, you should let me coach you. And I was like, uh, I don't really want to. I, I was very, I was very frugal. I was like, I don't want to pay for a coach. And he's like, just give me 10% of your prize money. And I'm like, oh, 10% of gonna... your prize money. Wow. This guy had big dreams for you. I know. And I was like, and he's a great guy too. And I was like, um, oh, I'm not going to make any prize money. So why, why not just go for it? <laughs> What's 10% of zero? 
That's what you got, buddy. So I ended up giving him a little bit that year, so that was cool. And then um, he helped me. In like eight months, I went from like a 256 to a 247, 58, uh, at Grandma's Marathon 2015. And so that's when I knew like, all right, I can actually do something maybe with the marathon. Let me just, uh, and I wasn't even doing all his workouts either. I was a bad athlete at the time um, because I was focusing on like, our track shack series that we have in Orlando at the same time as I'm training for the race. So he had me doing a tempo on Thursday and I'd be like, well, I have a race on Saturday. So I'm not, I'm just going to skip the tempo. We've talked about this series on the podcast. It seems like a great series. Track shack's done, done great work. And, and we'll oh, talk yeah. about the trials coming to Orlando in a second, but you know, like, you know, Jeremy Rivera has been on here talking about that quite yeah. a bit. Um, you know, Victoria Polk as well. Um, oh, Heather Schultz back in the day, who's been on the pod. Uh, that was a long time ago, but you know, it, it does seem like a really a really fun and a gust group to be a part of and a community element to it uh, really does seem to be pretty engaging. It really is. Yeah. They put on always an amazing race. Um, good after party. You know, there's like, you got your friends you're running with, you want to do your best, you want to cheer them on, but at the same time you want to, you know, do your best. Um, but everyone's like supporting everyone, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, but it, the thing about it though, is it's from August to March. So it's a large period of time. It's hard to like really focus for that long of a period and then also have like another goal race. So usually you have to like pick one or the other, but I don't think I was ready to give up. Like that was my first time doing the series, like the full series. So I was like, um, trying to focus on both and it was a little bit too much yeah it's hard too great especially if you're like gaining friends in that kind of group setting it can be hard to be like wait i want to be here running running with my friends a lot but i also want to do these other things too right it's kind of like that same vibe like sometimes you get a running coach but then you also like have these workouts that you like doing with your friends and you're like all right well like my running coach says i'm supposed to be doing like you know eight by three minutes and then my friends are like well we're doing this other thing and you're like oh wait which am i gonna do here and it can create that conflict for some people yeah, like now it wouldn't. I'm like, whatever my coach says I'm going to do because I want to hit these goals. But back then I was like young and I could also get away with more back then too. Like, I mean, I would sometimes do like a workout, which I would, I was, that was pre-coaching days. So luckily I made all the mistakes before I was like really coaching people. Um, but I do like a tempo run the day after a speed workout. I'm like, what the heck was I doing? Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, like, so that was a good, it was a good experience though, dealing, working with the coach. Cause I noticed like how much of a, time drop that was like nine minutes in the marathon and then like once you get down it's like you know less significant drops but then you can still make them um but i think that once i hit that time that was like the second chapter of running maybe gotcha yeah. all right that's interesting so so what was the um olympic trials qualifying standard when it first got introduced to you as like a potential goal or something that, that somebody thought that you were capable of doing yeah, so I was like, um, the 2016 one was the one that was coming up. Um, and the standard was 243. And then, um, so I knew like at that point I was um, like five minutes off, maybe just a little under five minutes off. Um, so I thought like that was pretty close, but I knew it was a, still a big drop. Um, and I was actually trying to qualify at the grandma's 2015, but I didn't believe in myself. Like my coach was like, this is your attempt. Like, and I was like, oh shoot. But like, I knew realistically that 625 pace was like my pace for that race. And it was like the pace for every mile, which was really good to do even split like that, which that doesn't always happen in a marathon. Um, but grandma's is a great course. So, um, but yeah, it was 20, it was 243. And then I tried again at CIM that year in December. So that was like six months later. And I ended up uh, running, it was like my first teaching job I got as a high school teacher. Cause I used to teach uh, health and PE and uh, oh gosh, that was rough. And I coach at the same time. So like, I wasn't really able to, I didn't hit a lot of the workouts leading up to that also. Um, I mean, I did, but I skipped too many workouts probably. And I was stressed out during that time. And uh, stress can definitely exhaust you. So I ended up running like a PR half in that race. So that was good. Uh, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was like the first half. But then the second half was like 129. So uh, yeah, I missed, I was like probably a minute and a couple seconds off what I did at grandma's, which is still like, you know, that was disappointing at the time. And then uh, that was like, I thought that was the last chance to qualify for 2016 trials. Um, then five days after that CIM race, they changed the qualifying standard from 243 to 245. And I was like, oh, I'm closer. I'm only like three, four minutes off rather than five or, you know, like three-ish minutes off. So, um, and then I was like, man, if I knew that going into CIM, I wonder if I would have like slowed down and 
Like, could I? It's a great it? question. I don't right, know. for sure. I oh. mean, that's that's not an insignificant amount. Two minutes, it definitely can change the pace. And you know, at that point, like now, I think for the standard, like the time or the time frame that you can hit it ends like at CIM this year. But at that point, you could qualify up until January. So um, I found the Disney Marathon, and I was like, I don't know if I'd be ready for this because it's five. That is a tough. After uh, <laughs> not the typical OTQ marathon choice, the Disney <laughs> the Disney. Disney Marathon. So I was like, this is perfect. It's a hometown race. It's, um, you know, it's, it's close to my house. Um, I've never done a Disney race before. That was my only Disney race to this day, which is really sad. Um, I was like, um, I got to do it. Like, I just have to go for it. Like in my head, I was like, I probably like really dead from this marathon because it takes me like a year to recover from a marathon. <laughs> and I'm like, but why not just try it? Like I would regret not trying. And so um, unfortunately, like the news got a hold of it. And that was not good because then, uh, well, luckily, but unluckily, because I was like, oh, no, they're interviewing me about qualifying for the trials. But I just ran a, a race five weeks before and now it's going to look bad, but I don't do it. But um, I hit the wall at mile four in that Disney race. And um, I still ended up. That's early. That's early bad. for the wall. <laughs> no, it was really bad. I was toasted at mile four and I just had to oh, struggle God. through the last 22. That was death. Um, Let me ask you about that, because that's that's a big lift, like hitting having that experience so early in a race where you can basically like still see the start line when like, you're like, Oh my God, like this is a disaster. What made you want to continue on and not DNF that race? If, if you hit that experience so early on and knowing full well, like, wow, like I'm not getting the goal. Like I ran this race for this goal. It's obviously out the window. It would have been so easy for you to step off the course and no one would have judged you for that. Like you just run a marathon five weeks before. What made you stick with it? Well, thank goodness, like, I've never DNF'd a race. And, like, that's just not an option unless my legs are falling off or, like, something really bad is happening. Um, so and that wasn't even a thought in my mind. Um, but, like, there's always that thought, like, what if you get a second wind? Or, um, you know, like, I've dealt with so many tough workouts in the past and done so many hard uh, things that, like, what if something, you know, you never know. And I know that even if I hit a wall, uh, a wall um, I'm still going to manage to pull through like I think so that that's where the mental part comes in um but it was definitely painful and and then watching some people pass me um I got passed by somebody who was uh who was 50 at the time she's a really good runner um but I just remember knowing like she was way older than me at the time and she's crushing me in the last five miles of the race <laughs> and um yeah but she was like one of the best 50 year olds at that time maybe she I can was- imagine for sure, right? And I think that's that's it's like you can be in awe of somebody, but also draw inspiration and motivation from that too. Like you're doing great, and I also want to be you. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. those, those, those can both live in your mind at the same time. Yeah, and the adrenaline can just pull you through. Like you never know what adrenaline can do to you. And um, also, I had so many people out there like watching. Like I had some of the guys, oh, right? And girls yeah, because the hometown vibe. Yeah, the, I had like the high schoolers that I coached there, and I knew I got VIP access. Um, so I was going to ask you about that. Cause getting into a Disney race is like trying to get Taylor Swift concerts. Like th- this is not, not an easy feat. Yeah. Well, I was so lucky because, um, well, I started raising money for a charity and then, um, and then like track shacks always have my back and supported me. And like, they like kind of like, I, I raised maybe like a thousand bucks. I had like a big event for like, uh, Alex's lemonade stand kids with cancer. That was like, at least I got to donate money to a good cause. But, um, I think I had to, had to like donate more, um, but track check was like, we are going to like put you in, get VIP, this and that. And so that, I was really thankful for that. Um, so I did have that experience, even though I, I felt like I let everyone down at the end. But um, to look on the bright side, I still ran the same time as my first marathon. So, I mean, it was not good, but it was, it could have been worse. <laughs> hey, no, for sure. And, and kudos to you sticking with it. Like the five week turnaround is tough. I mean, that, that's, that's, a, that's a big ask for anybody, um, especially when like you are putting everything into that first one and then trying to put in everything again. I mean, we talked about this a lot in 2020 for people who did the same thing doing the CIM Houston double, right? I mean, it's it's essentially the same thing. A lot of people went to Houston, like, all right, this is, this is literally the last day of the window. Let's see what happens. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, the, the, you went went for the trials in 2016. It was kind of like a, not last minute goal, but like, all right, popped up, like, all right, got like a 14 month sprint to try to make this happen. Right. Yeah. The next window is a different story. We know mm-hmm. that the time stayed at 245. Yeah. It's a historic period of time in American women distance running, especially for dedicated amateur runners. 
and we saw this groundswell of people who were coming up like not the typical Iran and college runners, people coming out from all over the place. You're like, I think I can do this. And even for people yeah. who did or didn't, it was a really exciting thing to be a part of, even for me, like as someone who followed it from a podcasting perspective, it was, it was pure magic seeing it from afar and, and getting a chance to see some of it in person as well. What was it like for you as someone who was knee deep in it and kind of in it the whole time is like, again, you were kind of like, all right, I, this was already my goal, but now like I'm going to enter this whole, the whole four year cycle with it being the goal. What was it like for you seeing this, this tidal wave continue to build and build and build for the OTQ, um, you know, time goal? Yeah, it was so cool. Like um, after 2016, you know, I was like, man, I'm going to try it earlier this time. Like as soon as they announce the standard, I'm going to go for it. And then I think more women realized that like if they just put in the work, like you don't even have to be, I mean, you, you don't really have to be that, that skilled. You just need to like train hard. Um, like anyone could be good at distance running if they train hard. And I always tell people that like, of course, if you have natural, some natural talent that might help, but like if you just work hard, you can do it. Um, so people started to see that. And then um, I think since Instagram got popular and like social media got really, you know, people, more people on social media, they're seeing like how there's like people that have normal jobs and amateurs that are able to like get close or even qualify for the, for this, you know, the Olympic trials, they thought like, that's a pretty big deal. Um, so it was really exciting to, to be part of. And like, um, man, I still had to try, like, I think I, this, when I qualified, it was 2019, but like I tried in 2017, um, like soon after they announced the standard and I, I missed it by 24 seconds. And Ooh. that was a huge blow to my, my mind and my <laughs> everything. And then after- was it, was that like, did you gain confidence from getting that close or was it, or did it sting to be that close and not get it? It was more of a sting. It was very confusing. Cause I was like, man, I was right there. Like, um, cause I thought I could do it beforehand. And then there was a part of me that was like, well, what if I don't do it? And then I had some people like, gosh, it was crazy. So then I remember like that last, I remember hearing like, you don't want to be in the six thirties. And then once I started to get in the six thirties, I was like, oh no, it's not good. And then, um, I remember with one mile to go, I was, I looked at my watch and I didn't like calculating things while I run, but it was like, if I run a five fifty last mile, I could qualify for the Olympic trials. And then I ran a six fifteen, and I was like, Dang, oh, so close. <laughs> But I didn't realize at the time that I didn't know nutrition. And that was, that was like, I was coaching um, high schoolers at the time, but I wasn't uh, coaching marathoners yet. Um, And I was like, dang, I had no idea that I should have been taking a gel at least every 30 minutes. I think I had two gels the whole race. And, um, and if I would have, I don't know, I didn't bonk, but I knew that extra energy during the race would have helped. But I think it was more in the mind, like, I knew I didn't a hundred percent believe in myself. Um, but after that, I, I did believe in myself more, but I had like a whole series of like plantar fasciitis and injuries and stuff like that. And 2018 was kind of rough. Um, and then I went traveling and quit my teaching job and then everything turned around. (laughs) Then I came back and I'm like, I'm ready to focus. Um, and I got, I met a new coach. Um, he actually had a coaching business too for like cycling and running and he, I met him and I was inspired by him. So he actually inspired me to start my own coaching business. And then uh, he ended up helping me like focus on training from like September to uh, January. And then I remember like in December, it was six weeks before the before Houston. Um, he was like, if you run a 120 or under at this OUC Orlando half marathon in December, he's like, we're going to talk about you trying to qualify at Houston. And then I was like, okay, so I have to run 120 or faster. And then I end up running like a 120-140. And I got beat on the finish line. <laughs> so I got second place by one second. But actually, it was so demoralizing. Actually, my chip time was faster than the first place person. But if it's a matter of first or second, they're going to give it to yeah, you. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> And then I was like, man, maybe I'm not as competitive as I need I had that experience this past weekend where I like, I got passed with 10 meters to go. Yes. And then I like, I, I was passing people on my left. No. Someone passed me on my right. I had 10 meters to go. And then I like leaned in and I got it. But then like, but like her, but she started way back with her mom at the, at the beginning of the 10 mile race. So Dude. like, it's actually like the mother of 
some kids that I've coached, like on my oh, son's my basketball and soccer teams. Yeah. So like her, actually her chip time was like 10 seconds faster than mine. Cause she was like way back. <laughs> the start oh, and I'm like, all right, Beth, I got to give it to you. you. You definitely beat me. You got me by 10 seconds. Like oh, that's, that's was pretty time. legit. That's so rough too, especially cause like, you know, her sons and like, yeah, that's <laughs> well, funny. Like, you know how it is. You can sympathize for, in that way. No, for sure. And, and so, so you, you had that experience like, oh, my God, I was so close, right? And then you, you come back, you have the injuries. During that injury period, that's when things really started to ramp up. It was like 2018. That's when, like, again, the, the shareable content on Instagram. And I, I don't want to be like, a, like mm-hmm. oh, remember remember those days. But, like, it was just an interesting time in, like, in social media world and running where people were sharing their journeys. But they were sharing it in a way that was extremely like people could find it without like being Facebook friends with somebody. Right. Or like you could happen upon people's like running blogs for all intents and purposes. Like they're, they're kind of like their, their video and, you know, um, picture running blogs in a way that like people were sharing all sorts of interesting things. And it was like, wow, you can follow a lot of people who are along this journey. So as you were, you know, coming back from that 2017 experience and try to build up towards the 2019 experience, what was that like in terms of seeing people who maybe you didn't even know, like personally, but people who were, you know, really trying to do the same things you were doing. Like, was, was that, was there a community around that for you? Hey folks, let's talk about vacation races. So vacation races host half marathons, ultra marathons, and trail running festivals at national parks around the country in week-long running adventures all around the world. These global adventures offer daily 7 to 12K trail runs in the morning and afternoon activities that include high, like, high adventure things like glacier treks, zip lining, whitewater rafting, or cultural activities like wine tasting, falconry, uh, historic tours, cooking classes, these things, they offer just such a wide range of things. If you're worried about pace, don't be. They require runners to maintain around a 20 minute mile pace. So as long as you can, as long as you're basically moving with purpose, you're going to be just fine. These adventures are all, all inclusive, which means hotels, in-country transportation, meals, drinks, activities, and swag are all covered in the trip. And they just announced their full 2024 calendar, which you're going to want to check out. Again, I know we just started 2023, but you got to plan these trips way in advance. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. They have 11 different destinations. Examples are like Alaska, Costa Rica, Croatia, Ecuador, Iceland, Ireland, Japan, New Zealand, Patagonia. So many. It really is remarkable. You can go check them out at vacationraces.com. New customers can use Rambling 200 for $200 off any global adventure trip that is not currently sold out. Also, you can use code Rambling15 for 15% off any of the half marathons or ultra marathon adventures that are not currently sold out. So remember, it's code Rambling200 for the global adventures and Rambling15 for 15% off the half marathon or ultra marathons. Yeah, there was, it was really cool. Like I would go to races sometimes and um, I'd talk to people and I wasn't like, I guess I, I didn't really follow as like no pop up or people didn't always pop up. So I didn't always follow people until I met them. But like, sometimes I meet people and they'd be like, I'd be like, let's follow each other on Instagram. Like, Oh, I follow you. I'm like, what? why would you follow me? Like, I was like, Oh shoot, these people follow me that I didn't even realize. And then, um, but yeah, we all became like, you know, kind of push each other and motivate each other. And yeah, whenever I would like meet somebody at a race, I'll like follow them. And then I'm like, Oh my gosh, let's see. And it's kind of a little competitive, but it is motivational. It's like, okay, this person can do it. I can do it. Oh, this person had setbacks and they came back. Then uh, maybe I can do the same thing. So that was really, that was exciting. Yeah. And, um, and then, and then, and then, yeah, as as I mentioned in the intro, that people already heard you did get the OTQ, right? You did you did get that that yeah. number. Oh, so um, back to that race real quick, the OUC race where I ran the one twenty one forty. Um, I went back to my coach and I was like, I didn't hit the one twenty or under, so I guess I'm not gonna try at Houston. And he's like, right. What was your nutrition like? And I was like, oh, I was such an idiot. For some reason, I thought the race started at seven forty. It started at seven thirty, so I literally got to the line like two seconds before, and I wasn't like fully prepared <laughs> of all the gels. That normally doesn't happen. Normally, I'm like hyper crazy. Well, maybe in a marathon, I'm much more ready, but like shorter distances, not always. Um, but that was a bad situation, and so um, I was like, I only had half a gel at mile eight, and he was like, I told you like every thirty minutes, like 
you want to do one at the 5k you want to do it at mile eight and before the oh race. oh my god and I, I, he was like based on your stats and based on what you've been doing you know if you would have had your nutrition right you would have been at 120 or under and i was like i didn't think about that and then i told other people like because i used to listen to people too much and it's easy to do sometimes but they were like, oh, you ran a 121.40 at OUC, so you're not going to shoot for Houston, right? Like, you're going to wait and, like, make sure you do it right. And I was like, well, my coach thinks I can do it. <laughs> and I always listened to him from that point, you know, before that. So why wouldn't I keep listening to him? And so um, so I ended up, you know, going for it. And he gave me this crazy aggressive goal. It was, like, to negative split. And I'm like, that sounds kind of hard. And I talked to, like, people about the goal. I talked to my dad about it. And my dad was like that's going to be hard. And I'm like, Oh shoot, my dad thinks it's going to be hard. Um, <laughs> and then even some of the workouts, is that, is that dad code word for like, I don't think this is going to happen. No, my dad knew I could do it, but he didn't like, oh, okay. he didn't think the plan was like, um, Oh, gotcha. Realistic. Okay. Like he said, like go out in six twenty five for the first five K like settle into six fifteen ish. And then like, once you get to mile 13, you can take off. And so everyone's like, take off. Like what? And then he told me that, but I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to try to do it. And I did exactly that. Like I went out 620, then I picked it up to like 612, 615. And then when I hit mile 13, I literally took off and ran like a half marathon PR in the second half. I'm like, it's really so mental. Like, and I a hundred percent believed in myself and like that normally doesn't happen. Um, mm. I have some salt baths every night. That's a big thing too. Definitely <laughs> <laughs> and physically. I love that. All right, let's talk about this cycle because this cycle does feel very different to me from an outsider perspective, right? Like when you, I think we all anticipated the women's time being moved, right? I think that was understand. Like, all right, it's not going to stay at two forty-five, and everyone was kind of like, I wonder how, wonder what it's going to be, right? And so they they put it down to two thirty-seven. What was your gut feeling when that came out, and how did that align with like what maybe you had anticipated the time would be? Yeah, I was thinking it was going to be like maybe two forty. Um, but then it made sense that it was 237 because, you know, 237 was always the A standard. So they just got rid of the B standard. So I'm like, it makes sense. And, um, I knew it would push a lot more people to like, it would either push a lot more people to go for it. And like people would end up running faster than they would have if they, if it was a lower standard or higher standard. But, um, I also knew it would discourage a lot of people too. Um, so, but for me, I was like, I'm just going to try to do what it takes. And I was hoping to do it like last year, but I had a lot of setbacks, unfortunately, and um, had some crazy stomach issues going on. And then I realized it was all stress. I'm like, should not be stressed. Um, once oh. I realized it was stress, my stomach issues went away. <laughs> Interesting. Crazy. Was there, again, you, we don't have to dive into it, but was it like, was it work stuff? Were you just like pushing too hard on the run? Like, were there, were there obvious reasons for this that like you could, you could easily kind of not easily, but you could, you could smooth out and push that to the side. Yeah. So basically I just like, it was a lot of life changes, but I moved and then I ended up like, um, recently moving back, but it was only an, it was only like an hour North, but it was like farther from the training partners, farther from the, um, you know, training places where I normally train. Um, and I didn't think it was going to affect me that much. Cause I'm like, I'm adaptable. I can do anything. And um, I always think that, like, even before a race, I'm like, I'm not even nervous. And then my body's like, whoa, I'm, whoa, I'm nervous. So um, my body and my mind are uh, I'm working on getting them in sync. <laughs> but I think it's just from uh, being positive, which helps and also can be detrimental too. So, um, yeah, so last year of training was just crazy. I felt like I was just pushing through to grandma's. And even the beginning of this year, I was just like, I felt so burnt out for a long time. And um there were a few times where I doubted like, you know, pushing and like keeping trying, but like I knew that there was nothing that was going to stop me. And I'm like, I'd always come back to like, no, I know. I know I want to do this. So like always remembering why I want to do it um, for myself and, you know, and for my athletes and community and like, um, and remembering that I'm doing it for myself first of all, because like you can't pick a crazy goal and try to do it for someone else, you know? Um, but I think let's I was, talk about that. Like what, what about having a crazy goal is something that, that you like to have or need to have from a running perspective? Yeah. I think it's always good to have a crazy goal. Like I always ask my athletes before, like in um little questionnaire, like what is your dream goal? Um, because usually the dream goal is something that will be achieved like a little farther out maybe. Um, 
but it could also be something if depending on where someone starts at, they could be close to. Um, but then you, it's good to have like those smaller goals leading up to that big goal, because if you're kind of far away from that dream goal, then you want to, you don't want to think you want to have that in the back of your head and then like pick some shorter goals to focus on in the meantime, it will lead up to that. So, um, yeah, it's all about like the process of getting there. Yeah. And do you, do you feel like you need that from a motivation perspective or is it just like a fun thing to have to really kind of like, again, motivation is a tricky word. Maybe I shouldn't even phrase yeah. it like that, but like, you know, are you some that like needs a long-term goal that is like that audacious, big, hairy goal to like really kind of trigger the downstream, like how I get out every day? Or is it just more like, Hey, this is really interesting and it helps me plan my calendar kind of vibe. Oh, you mean like to have the big goals or the small goals? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, you have to, it has to be something that you really want inside. Like, um, mm. but yeah, it does keep you going on the days that maybe you don't want to run. Um, cause people think like, cause I'm always happy and like, oh, I want to run all the time and I'm just, it's no problem. But there's so many days where I'm just like, I don't want to do it today. And then I'm like, but I can't just do that. Like I take one day off a week and sometimes I do nothing on that day. Um, and then, you know, that's kind of, that's good though. Cause it like resets you for, uh, the rest of the week. But, um, yeah, no, it's not gonna, you can't rely on motivation all the time. You have to like really know why you're out there. And then I always tell people like if there's days you don't want to do it. Once you do it, you're going to feel better than those days that you really want to do it. Like you'll feel better afterwards for sure. Let's talk about big, those big crazy goals. We're saying crazy, like in a fun way, not crazy. Like yeah, this yeah. is stupid. This is like crazy, like in a fun, exciting kind of way. Right. Because as someone who has gone after these kinds of goals in the past and achieved them, and you're now coaching athletes, again, you've been coaching athletes the whole time, but you're coaching adult athletes where, you know, this, maybe they're looking at the same kinds of goals that you've done in your life. When you have people come to you, especially if, like, they want your counsel or they want you to coach them and they, like, they throw out a goal that is, like, nowhere close to where their current fitness is. Yeah. Right. Again, that could be anybody. That could be a three-hour marathon who runs to run two fifteen, or a six-hour marathon who wants to run three thirty. Yeah. That that stuff is not important. But like they set out a big goal that is nowhere close to where they currently are. Yeah. How do you approach that conversation? Because I think that this is something that um, is really interesting. It also can can really set people up for success, but also can be a demoralizing experience if it's not handled the right way. Yeah. Well, usually um, I want to find out like why they want that goal like why it's important to them because so many people throw out goals and then they end up like giving up on them because they don't realize why like they're like oh they realize how hard it is to get there and then they're like what's the point so um first I have to find out why like what's the real reason why you want to do it and then sometimes i'll ask them more questions like if they tell me why i'll be like well why do you want to do that what and like you really dig deep with them um and then it makes them think too and like and then they will should probably like, I'll usually have them like write it down, um, like why they want to do it. And then, um, usually have that goal like up somewhere where they can see it, like in their bathroom mirror, or, like on the wall or on chalkboard or something like that. Um, but then also, um, yeah, I wanted to let them know like what's involved in it and, um, kind of to put that goal, like kind of in the back of their mind, like think about, but don't focus on it so much. Cause then sometimes people get themselves crazy and they're like, I'm so far away. And then, um, yeah, just kind of like, cause you got to train where you're at, not where you want to be. And I've made that mistake in the past, like trying to hit these times that I wasn't at that fitness. Maybe I was at the fitness level in the past, but like I wasn't currently at that level. And then it just like, that's what happened last year. And I discouraged myself so much. Um, so yeah. So like, just like being happy with where you are and then knowing that you're working towards where you want to be, that's like the best thing. Yeah, let's talk about that goal, that goal selection and that goal process, right? I think oftentimes, you know, that can center around like the like um, like the obvious like number game, right? The four hour marathon, right? The three thirty, yeah. right? Like the those round numbers. There's a gravity around them, and it's easier yeah. to like to pick those out. So say like you're having that conversation with someone like I want to break a three hour marathon. You're like. There's nothing wrong with that goal, right? Like you said before, like, I think anyone can do a lot of these things. It just takes time and effort and, con and consistency. Mm -hmm. um, but they're, like, currently, like, a 445 marathon, right? So they're not, like, going to knock this out of the park in the next marathon, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I should say, it's not going to take one marathon cycle, right, <laughs> right to get yeah. there. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's the whole point of these big goals. Yeah. But 
how do you make sure in this conversation of like, well, why three hours? Like, so when they're going through that process and there's no obvious reason, it's just, it becomes obvious that they just like picked a round number or like they saw someone else's goal and they just transferred it onto their plate. Yeah. Um, and then they get to the point of like, I don't know which one to choose. How do you help them through that process of like, all right, well, let's find something that, that, that connects more to you personally. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so yeah, I would say usually when they're starting off from a point that's far from their goal, like um, I have to figure out what they did in the past. Um, and then maybe they never had a coach. Then they'll see like drastic drops in their time. Like, you know, they'll get much closer. Um, but just like letting them know that it's not going to happen overnight. Um, usually like every three months you'll see like a bigger change. Um, and some people will see it sooner than others. Um but yeah, I guess just, you would have to like, just let them know, like, it's not just your training also. It's also those things that you do outside your training that are going to make a huge impact on how you're going to, how you're going to perform. So like, um, making sure that everything's good in their life. Um, you know, things pop up in life that are like, like obstacles and like, um, so making sure that, you know, they're sleeping well, they're eating well, um, there's so many things involved and I'm, I'm pretty all inclusive coach. So I like to make sure that I help them with not just like the running part, but like also like everything else going on in their life. Um, and sometimes I get, I get really involved, but it, I think it helps them because then, you know, they're able to be the best they can be. And sometimes what they do outside of running will impact them more than what they do in actually in their training. But of course they want to be consistent too. And, um, yeah, so maybe I've come up with kind of like a long-term plan for them. Like, um, you know, maybe let's do do like a, a year long plan, game plan, like in it for the long run. And if they're really serious about their goal and they have a strong like why for why they want to do it, um, then they'll be committed to that long term plan. And um, it, and it depends on who the person is too, because like I train a high schooler who um, he runs like a four twenty four mile right now, and he like wants to hit like four twenty. Well, in cross country, he wants to go like. First, he wants to get in the 15s, but like he has to break 16 first. Um, and so, well, with somebody like him, I got to hold him back. Uh, <laughs> but then there's um, there's people that are like in their 40s or 50s. Maybe they have reached their PRs in their 20s or 30s. Um, maybe they took a break. Um, then we have to like make sure that they're okay with setting like an age group PR first. And then you never know, you can get back to those uh, 20, 30s PRs also depending on who the person is for sure. And also like you can also just delay it. Like, Hey, we don't need a big, a big goal right now. Right. If there's nothing that comes to mind, well, yeah. then let's just not make one just because like, no, you know, just make not. one out of like whole cloth, just to, like say we have one. Yeah. Usually people just, sometimes people will come to me, they just want to get better and they don't really know like what a good time would be. Um, and so usually we just see how they do. And then like maybe even give them like a mile time trial and then give them another one. Like, in another couple months to see like the difference. And then, um, I mean, I've had people training with me for like one of my athletes has been training with me for like almost two years before she ran her first race. She just wanted that, that accountability and like, you know, stay fit, get better at running. And then she ran her first race and ran pretty well. And now she's like fired up for the next. So I try to right, let's talk. like race, but then, and then there's people I'm trying to encourage them not to race so much. People want to run a race every weekend. I'm like, depends on if they're training through it. And some people can do that. And some people can't. Right. For sure. All right. Let's talk about um, the last six months or so. So you mentioned like you, 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 you had, you know, some issues, you bouncing back kind of like, kind of like what happened in the last training cycle, right? I mean, the, the last OTQ cycle, right? You had 2017, 2018 yeah. wasn't that great. Bounce back to 2019, you make it happen. Yeah. This this cycle, you mentioned before, you had some stomach issues. You know, you're bouncing back. How was, how's training going so far this year? I know you ran grandma's marathon. We can talk about that as well. Yeah. And how is that leading into what you're projecting for, you know, the next five months? Because, you know, the window's a little bit shorter this year. The CIM is the end of the window now mm -hmm. uh, because the race, uh, the trials are going to be the first weekend in February. And, uh, yeah, just how, how are things progressing in 2023 for you and, and what do you see moving forward? Yeah. So um, the beginning of 2023, I noticed, was definitely better than 2022. So that was a plus. I saw myself getting, like, improving, getting better. Um, still not to like where I was at, but I think that's not really a reflection of like what I've been doing. It's more of a reflection of like the last year, um, just that it's a slower process coming back. 
Um, but I do see an improvement. And then um, once I, after I did grandma's, I was like, I just need that break. And I was so looking forward to that break for a really long time. Um, Cause I think the last like week off I had was maybe in September, but it wasn't, it was a couple, like maybe four or five days. And it was after like running in the Grand Canyon. Um, Cause normally I'd always just take a week off after a marathon, but I hadn't run a marathon since the trials in 2020. So I was like, um, and my coach is awesome. Like she has been working with me and adapting with me. And like, as long as I tell her how I'm feeling, um, she'll adapt. She's great in that way. Um, but yeah, I noticed myself getting a little better in January. So like, like bit by bit. And then, um, I guess this year it was just, uh, yeah, grandma's was a reflection. It was a reflection of my training. It was a tough race. Um, I think I, I felt like I hit the wall at like mile 17, 16, 17, and my uh, hips felt like they wouldn't move anymore. And I'm like, ooh. Um, but I just kept plugging through. And, you know, it was definitely not my best, but it wasn't my worst either. And then I had to, like, not beat myself up. And every time I almost beat myself up, I'm like, just don't beat yourself up. It's not the biggest deal. And I'm just proud of myself for doing the race. And then um, I got my week off. And then I took literally my coach had me do this. I'm so happy that she did five weeks after that week off of no speed. So I just like eased into it. Um, I had my first speed workout, speed workout yesterday, and um, I and I was actually really happy that my Garmin died right before the workout. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> now I don't even look at my clock. And um, luckily, I had two friends to do it with, and um, I was like, I don't know what time to go for. She didn't give me like a goal pace, just like five by two minutes at tempo pace with a three minute jog in between. I'm like, this should be a really nice workout because like. Normally I don't get a three minute jog after two minutes uh, at tempo. So um, I know my friend said we were going six minute pace. And I was like, I'm happy if we were, but either way, I just did the workout. I didn't see my time and I felt way better and like stronger um, doing the workout than I had like before. So I think that recovery really did some good stuff. And um, yeah, so now um, I'm actually planning a big trip overseas uh, in two weeks because uh, last time I qualified for the trials, I went on an overseas trip. It was a solo travel trip um, in Europe. And then I came back and like really focused. I still ran on the trip and then I came back and like really focused and um, I was able to qualify. So it's kind of a remix, but I also need a trip uh, overseas. So <laughs> so I'm gonna train, uh, I'm still building up like probably maybe 40, last week I think I did like 43 miles or something for the week. Um, so it's a gradual, slow buildup um, and I go to Ireland, Scotland, and Finland, and London and for a couple of weeks. So I'll be like meeting up with different groups there and running with them and uh, just kind of winging it, really. And then when I get back um, is when I like, I'm still training throughout, but then I'll focus even more and just like be in my own, you know, house and environment. And I just feel like it's going to be the best thing for me. And I, I need that balance of like, haven't traveled overseas in four years. So I'm like, we all have to find like, that balance of like what makes us happy outside of running and make sure you do enough, enough of that as you can before you start like really focusing. Then I think it's going to make the training a lot, a lot smoother and I'll be ready. In That's great. Time. Is, and are there certain races on the calendar? Um, so my coach is like, you're not racing until September, which that's tough because I'm going to miss the first track check series race, but I actually like that. I need somebody to tell me that like, just, well, you're not going to be around unless you're going to do like a European race. <laughs> I'll be there in spirit on FaceTime. Uh, so I'm going to do the second track track race. I think that'll be my first race back. Um, the Battle of the Vans 5K in September. And um, hopefully I can just beat my 5K from last year, which I think that shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, just really focus on training for CIM because I know it's going to be a big drop. Um, maybe like five minutes better than my best, which was in 2019. So it's an aggressive goal, but... I'm going to do what it takes. It's going to be a lot of fun. CAM is going to be magical this year. I've been screaming from the rooftops. I'm excited to go. And it's going to be really, really enjoyable. There's no question about it. Before yeah. we get going this week, uh, they announced what the marathon course is going to be for the trials. Now, yeah. we'll see if you're going to be running the trials or not. We'll, we'll find that out at CIM. But whether you do or don't, this is your hometown. So I, I couldn't think of a better person to ask about the race course once it was unveiled. Uh, I guess like, maybe you already knew about what the course was ahead of time. Who knows? But when when you found out what the course was going to be, it's like what's it's a 2.2 mile loop. 
and it's three eight mile loops. Yeah. Um, I guess how familiar you are how familiar are you with the course, and what were your first impressions once it was released? Oh my gosh, I'm so familiar that I've been running those exact streets for like the last ten years or more. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's so amazing. Yeah, I was so excited when um, Orlando got picked because I know that like Track Shack is heavily involved, and um, I've been a big Track Shack fanatic since uh 2010 when i graduated college and even when i was younger i did track shack races like one and two years old so um yeah it's amazing they just released the actual course yesterday so i didn't know exactly what it was till then but i kept going in and asking uh everybody and they were saying it was going to be something like the like orlando half marathon um and it kind of goes down some of those same roads but um yeah it looks it looks pretty good and the good thing is it's flat you know and um everybody will be there which is really cool and all right, so I think the, the and like the topic du jour is all right. How hot is it going to be? Obviously, when you're like oh. it's January, the race is at right. noon. Yeah. Right. So like we'll we'll talk about this. All right. So like I'm um, sorry, February. I thought I say January. <laughs> anyway, so right. So so first week. I already said first week of February before. Why did I just say that? <laughs> anyway, um, the first week of February. So it's going to be at noon. Um, some people are pushing against that a little bit. Some other people are like, hey, whatever, man. This is the way it goes. Um. I'd love to know like what your experiences are for like the temperature at that time of day at that time of the year. In addition to that, also like, again, it's noon. So I'm assuming the sun is going to be straight overhead, but like, is there like any shade coverage there? Like how does, how does that course play out that time of year at that time of day? Yeah. Well, I need to really fully study the course again. Cause I was looking at it and I'm like, okay, I have a rough idea. Um, but you never know with Florida. Like it could be crazy hot in February, but mo for most of the, for the most part, February is the coolest time of the year. So it could also be perfect temperatures, like 40, 50 degrees, um, maybe even colder. Um, so you just really never know. But I would say like, if, if there's going to be a time to have a marathon in Florida, in Orlando, it's going to be beginning of February. Um, and yeah, when I heard 12 o'clock, I was very surprised. And there has to be a reason for that. Um, I think it's I was, TV related, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was like maybe like nine or 10. Um, cause usually that's like one of the hotter times of the day. Um, and no marathon starts at noon. Like every marathon starts at like 8am. So yeah, it was, it, I think, I think it's 100% TV related, that's which wild. is, which I don't think is a bad thing. Like if it gets more viewers, fine. When, you know, it's like, you know, we always talk about in the running world, like, Hey, we need more TV coverage. We'll like, well, here it is. <laughs> like, here yeah. you go guys. Oh my gosh. And it will be so cool to show like, the USA and the world that Orlando is more than just Disney too, because you know, everyone just thinks of Disney world. And when people heard the trials were in Orlando, they were like, Oh, it's going to be a Disney. It's like, there's already so many races at Disney, but it's, it's going to be 52 laps of Epcot center. That's what the <laughs> <laughs> That was crazy. Like um, we're 30 minutes from Disney and it's like, it's like the hidden gem of, um, I guess, Florida. A lot of people don't really even know about downtown if they don't live in, um, mm -hmm. in, in Orlando. So I know, uh, I know Track Shack is really excited to like show downtown Orlando to the USA and how cool it is. For sure. For yeah. sure. And I think one of the things about that people loved about Atlanta, obviously it was, it was a, it was a tough day weather wise. The course is super tough, but one of the things that people really liked, not only the runners, but especially the spectators was the looped nature of the course. It was like, okay, I can just sit here. I don't have to like migrate to different areas. If I just find, if I find a spot I like, I can see some action throughout the whole day, which is a really exciting thing. They seem to have modeled this same course, uh, you know, not, 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 not in the same light, but yeah. with that idea in mind. So just, you know, in terms of, again, not that you have the whole course memorized, but like, does it still, does it have that same kind of vibe when you saw the, the layout? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I did think about Atlanta when I saw that, I was like, Oh yeah. Cause we're going around. And um, usually like when I'm in a race, I don't even know what's going on. Like I'm just so, laser focused um so i did i felt like atlanta was like five or six laps <laughs> but i guess it was only like you know similar like three or two i don't even know whatever it was see i don't even know even though i went to the course preview i'm like just running um but i'm like I feel like i've been to this place like seven or eight times and um there's probably only like two or three uh, but yeah i guess whatever it is as long as you get a lot of people on the on the course as long as there's a big crowd cheering that's like what's most important. And uh, that really does help in a race, especially seeing people, you know, and your friends and family and everyone's just, I love that. Crazy. As we get closer to the race, I definitely like, we should probably get you back on and maybe we'll have some other people as well um, who do a lot of running in the area. 
to talk about like just from a viewer perspective, like use like a short segment, like where should where are some great spots for people to go? Because there's going to be a lot of people just like in Atlanta who are going to come down because they're going to want to see this and be a part of it. The men's and women's races are going to be historic. They always are. And people are going to want to be part of history. And, you know, getting into Orlando, like just like getting to Atlanta is not it's not hard. Right. A lot of flights are coming in and out of Orlando. It's Mm -hmm. a super easy place to get to for most of the country. And I think that um, getting you guys back on maybe in, you know, January or whatever, leading into the race would be fun to talk about. Like, what are some like if you were going to spectate this course and hopefully you're not, hopefully you're running it. But like, you know, we'll know in January whether you are or not and be like, okay, like, you know, again, from a spectator perspective, what are some great spots to go to? Because I think that would be an interesting thing. And and especially if someone's new to the area, be like, hey. This loops, but I don't even know where I should go on this sucker. Yeah, right. I think like wherever, um, wherever the most loops are, but probably like around Lake Eola, that's a really good spot because that's like that's like kind of close to where the race is going to start and finish too. Um, so mm. they have to start the finish and some parts in between. Um, but Lake right. Eola is a really cool hot spot, and like there's a lot of bars in downtown Orlando. People can hop in, hop out if they want to. Um, and yeah, I mean I'm a big person, a big fan of like running all around courses, so I would. You know, my, uh, whenever my parents come to watch my marathon, they're always like at every mile mark, even if it's not a loop course, I'm like, how do they get there? Um, they always manage a way to do it. <laughs> well, and that's the nice thing too, about the noon start is that people can pregame. They can be treat this like an NFL, like, uh, yeah. you know, and, 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 you know, NFL, like, uh, what do they call it? Uh, tailgate, right? Yeah. You just go out there, you get there a little bit beforehand and have some, yeah. have some beverages before and get ready for action. Right. Yeah. So many of my athletes, they signed up to be volunteers for the race and everything. Oh, and they're like, oh, nice. They can do that. I think they got like, well, well, they have so many volunteers, like maybe six or 700 or more volunteers they've been able to get like in such a short amount of time. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a big party. That's for sure. And Orlando is a hot spot for it. Erica, thank you so much for coming on the show. Best of luck the rest of the year and your travels, of course. And I can't wait to talk to you again. Thanks so much, Matt. I appreciate it.